drive one of our announcements home a bit. So uh, this is for church family. Uh, if you're a guest here today, you have permission to zone out and think about something lunch, okay? So if you're a guest, this isn't for you, but uh, this is for the church family, right? The reason we're doing the chopped Walloon thing is so that we have a vehicle to invite unchurched family and friends. Give me your eyeballs. The reason we're doing this is because we know that for many of you to, to go through and share the gospel and then lead someone to faith in Jesus Christ, you're just not there yet. So we're doing this so that you can invite friends and family and they don't go to church. They're going to hear great music. We've got the Andy Stefanik Band, and, and they're going to do a great job. Uh, and then we got uh, a lot of fun. We're going to have uh, them open up their baskets, and they're going to be cooking. Uh, I don't know if you're supposed to tell them, but it's all things from the Bible. Uh, so it'll be a lot of fun. And then we've got a world-class speaker who's going to clearly share, really, a world-class speaker. He's, he's one of the best is going to share the gospel, okay? We've done this in the past. Give, give me your eyes one more time. This is really from my heart. We've done this with Heaven's Gates and Health's Flames. And literally, you've seen, we've done that, I think, four times. We've seen hundreds of people make decisions for Christ. We did it with the Stand Strength team. We did it last January at Boyne City High School. Jason Hansen from the Detroit Lions. Some of you are saying, but I don't like cooking, Pastor Jeff. And I don't. And you know what? Last year, I heard from 50% of you who told me, I don't like football. And I just want you to know, this really isn't about football, and it's not about cooking. It's about bringing people who need to know Jesus and, and seeing them exposed to church having fun. Hey, this is pretty nice. And then they're going to hear the gospel, and we're going to be praying like crazy that many of them come to faith in Jesus. So does that, does that make sense? So, so we're doing this not just because we want to cook and, and be silly up here, but we're doing this because I think it's a great opportunity for us to see people come to faith in Jesus Christ. Let's not waste this opportunity. We're, we're praying that this place is full which means that you need to be praying, Lord, who should I be inviting? Who should I be praying for? Pray that their hearts will be soft and open. Pray that there's a harvest for the glory and honor of Jesus Christ. Romans 10, 14, how can they believe in the one who they've not heard? How can they hear without someone preaching to them? Well, we've provided the setting, and now we've provided the preacher. Guess what? The rest is up to us, isn't it? So uh, you be praying this week. And you be thinking about, who can I invite? Who can I ask that I'm pretty sure they need to know Jesus? They're, they're, not, they're not a follower yet, and I need to bring them along. And, and I think they're going to have fun, but then for sure they're going to hear clearly about Jesus Christ. So uh, that's what that's all about. Thanks uh, for letting me uh, drive that home just a little bit extra. Um, Today, uh, we are in Revelation chapter 1. We're going to finish it up. So if you have your Bible, go there. We have this new study, uh, a journey called the finish line. And that's kind of what we're all aiming at, isn't it? We want to run through the finish line. And if you're NASCAR, think of finish line in terms of that. If you are a, a runner, well, you can think about it in terms of running uh, like the uh, Lowens ran a half marathon a couple weeks ago. Uh, 
you ran through the finish line, didn't you, at the end? Yeah, you made it. Good. Today, we're going to talk about fear. F-E-A-R. And you, you know what's interesting? I don't think in, in all my days I've ever heard people more fearful than they are today, 2014. So what are people afraid of these days? Think about it. What do you struggle with when it comes to fear? What is it that, that people around you, they're fearful about? And I'd like to hear from some of you. So some, somebody share, what are people around you, or, or maybe just be honest, what are you afraid of? What, what makes you fearful these days? Anybody willing to? Okay. Huh? ISIS, okay, terrorists, uh, afraid some, some of them will actually come and uh, do some ugly stuff here in the United States. Okay, that's honest. And, I, and you know what? That's not unreasonable. Someone else, what, what are people afraid of, Ruth? Uh, there's lots of financial stress going on, and uh, I, I think with uh, the economy the way it's been the last few years, that's, that's reasonable as well. Someone else, what are people afraid of these days? Anybody uh, willing to share over here in 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 the left side section? What what are people afraid of? Jeff, our government. (laughs) We're afraid of the people we've elected. Okay, Uh, okay, that's honest. I get it. Yeah. What else are people afraid of? Yeah. Oh, a fear of failure. Uh, I think uh, that's something we all have to uh, to face once in a while. Anybody else? Fear fear of. Right back there. Okay? Maybe people will actually know who I am and what I'm about. And, uh, yeah. Okay. I, I wrote down a bunch of other things. We've got wars going all over the place. Uh, war in um, the nation of Israel. And, and we know that's, that's, uh, that says a lot about the, the book of Revelation. Uh, did you hear about this, this new disease called Ebola? Yeah, the boss could tell you a little bit, but uh, there's an outbreak in West Africa right now. It's killing thousands, potential to spread worldwide. Um, Did you know there's a respiratory virus, and now it's in Michigan, affecting especially children, sending hundreds of them to the hospital, life-threatening symptoms? Uh, Did you know there's a heroin epidemic in our country? Maybe you, don't, you weren't aware, but they're literally, and, and it's not very far away, uh, literally heroin is pouring into our country at record rates. It's cheap, it, it's uh, ruining people's lives, and it's happening not very far away. And, and in case none of those are touching you yet, we can talk about the latest tornado or flood or drought or wildfire or tsunami or earthquake or for us here, guess what's right around the corner for us? We have winter coming, don't we? <laughs> yeah, maybe it'll be a fun winter like last year. <clears throat> Fears, worries, anxieties. Uh, I, I think it's something that at times we all struggle with. And here's the thing about fear, it doesn't play nice. It doesn't call ahead and say... Um, Ruth, tomorrow um, I'm going to show up, so you might as well plan on, you might, might want to take a personal day tomorrow. Fear shows up unannounced, and it doesn't usually knock nicely. It knocks down the door of our life. It's a visceral emotion, meaning like anger, 
it appears suddenly and unexpectedly. Uh, no one chooses. Um, Gene, do you ever say, you know what? I think I'm going to have a fearful day today. Yeah, today I'm, I'm going to have a fearful morning, so I'm, gonna, I'm just going to be fearful today. No one approaches fear that way. It, it comes upon us, and it comes suddenly, and yet God's Word says, Fear not. Do not be afraid. I read somewhere this week, and I didn't, I didn't check this out, but here's what the one, he says, fear not, don't be afraid, is 365 times in the Bible. And if that's true, I didn't check him out, but I know it's hundreds of times. Isn't that interesting? It's like once a day, the Lord needs to say, fear not, don't be afraid. The only thing that we're told to fear, anybody know? What's the only thing we're told to fear in God's word? Luke 12, 4. I tell you, my friends, don't be afraid of those who kill the body. Don't be afraid of ISIS or, or terrorists or after that can do no more. But I'll show you whom you should fear. Fear him who, after killing of the body, has the power to throw you into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Who's the only person we're supposed to fear? The Lord our God. Okay, as a follower of Christ, then I should have a healthy fear of sin. And wandering away. That, that's where I should be fearful. Let me give you two quick verses. Uh, I want to show you that fear is never from the Lord. 2 Timothy 1.7, write that down if you're taking notes. God has not given us a spirit of fear. So when you're feeling fearful, I wonder if Jesus, no, he didn't. Because God doesn't give us a spirit of fear. But he gives us power and love and a sound mind. So anytime you're feeling fearful, anxious, worried, that's not coming from Jesus. You can just write that down. That's not Jesus. Romans 8.15 For you did not receive the spirit of bondage, again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Fears and phobias lead to bondage. Fears and phobias, if they hang on long enough, they will start to chain you. And, and, and I want you to know those chains are not from our Heavenly Father. They're not from Jesus. So the question of the hour is this. How do we handle fear when it shows up on our door unannounced? What do you do? If tomorrow, suddenly now, you're feeling fearful and worried and anxious, what are we supposed to do? Um, how do I keep from being paralyzed and in bondage by this scary world that we live in? We're in Revelation chapter 1 this morning, okay? And, and we're going to start with verse 9, and we're going to read, and it's amazing because I think we get the answer, or at least a good part of the answer to dealing with fear in, in this section today. Um, let me just give you a little background. We talked about this last week, but I want to give you a quick uh, context of what's going on here. The Apostle John is, according to church history, the last surviving apostle at this time. This was probably written around 90 A.D. Okay, so, so Jesus has already been dead and risen and ascended to the right hand of the Father 55, 58 years. Got it? So John is an old man now, and Church history tells us he's the last one alive, probably 85, 90 years old. He's been exiled to the island of Patmos. It's a remote and a rocky island uh, 50 miles off the coast of the city of Ephesus, 
Why was John there? You ready? He wouldn't shut up about Jesus. And the Roman emperor, uh, history says, tried to kill him. He didn't die. He says, put him out to Patmos. Maybe we can shut him up if we put him out to this rocky, remote island. The Roman emperor Domitian hated Christians. And matter of fact, he required all of the Roman world, you worship me as God or die. Okay? So Christ followers at this time under Domitian were paying a real heavy price to follow Jesus. They were being tossed in with lions and bears, and that was a sport back then. I guess we still have lions and bears for sports now that I think about it. Um, they were covered with pitch and burned alive as human torches. Um, they, were, they were given this choice, and this is happening right now in the Middle East. Uh, you will worship Caesar as Lord, or you will die. You will either say, Caesar is Lord, and I will follow Caesar, and, and declare your allegiance to Domitian, or you will die. And that was happening worldwide under Domitian. Okay? So in the midst of all this awful time, I want you to look at verse 10. Um, we're going to read it in just a minute, but Jesus shows up on a Sunday. Isn't that nice that Jesus shows up on Sundays? Uh, and he's got a message for John. And I like the fact that even though he's on this rocky island, he still has church all by himself. So he's, he's in worship mode here on this rocky island. And, and again, to be a follower of Jesus in this day, fearful. So it's been 50, 60 years since John saw his friend, Jesus, resurrected from the dead, ascended to the right hand of the Father, and now Jesus is going to look way different than he did last time John saw him. He's going to look way, we're going to see it in just a moment. But he immediately recognizes his friend. He immediately knows it's Jesus. So uh, we're going to stand and read verses 9 to 18, and we're going to find out what Jesus had to say to his church when they were really afraid. So let's stand together. Start with verse 9, and we'll read down through verse 18. You ready? This is God's Word, and we will declare it out loud now at this point. I, John, your brother and companion in the suffering and kingdom and patient endurance that are ours in Jesus, was on the island of Patmos because of the Word of God and the testimony of Jesus. On the Lord's day, I was in the Spirit, and I heard behind me a loud voice, like a trumpet, which said, Write on a scroll what you see, and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me, and when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And among the lampstands was someone like a son of man, dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet and with a golden sash around his chest. The hair on his head was white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, and coming out of his mouth was a sharp, double-edged sword. His face was like the sun, shining in all its brilliance. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead, 
Then he placed his right hand on me and said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead, and now look, I'm alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. Let's pray. Lord, we just want to acknowledge that we live in a very scary world these days. All around us, there's uncertainty. And even though, Lord, we're uh, blessed to live in a very prosperous place, Lord, we actually are living in the most prosperous nation in all of history. Lord, it's still scary. And I'm praying, Lord, that uh, you might help us today as your church, as we face situations and circumstances filled with fear. I pray right now for those who struggle and are in bondage to uh, different fears and anxieties. Lord, some of us have lived fearful for so long that uh, it's just become normal. It's just become natural. So would you please show us what your answer, what your solution is to fear? I'm asking, Lord, that your word might speak loudly and clearly. Lord, help us to be eager and receptive and not only understand what your word is saying, but, Lord, help us to understand what it is you want us to do in response to it. We invite your spirit right now, the third person of the Trinity, to rule and reign in your church today. May Jesus be lifted high. Uh, Take these goofy lips of mine, Lord, and help us to hear clearly from you. And all the church at Walloon said with courage in their heart. You may be seated. I want to just uh, take you through the picture, okay? Uh, In verse 11, it's like the Lord asked John to do the impossible, okay? So I want you to describe uh, the indescribable. So this picture that he's painting, wow, okay? And I love the picture that John writes down, inspired by the Holy Spirit, about the resurrected Jesus Christ, okay? And and I just want you to know, this isn't a Sesame Street, Elmo version of Jesus. Uh, Those of you who are a little older, this isn't the Mr. Rogers Jesus that sometimes it gets portrayed. Uh, This is Jesus in power and glory, Uh, Let's just read through how he's described, okay? Starting in in verse 13, uh, he's got white hair, symbolizing Jesus' wisdom and his purity. He's got blazing eyes, meaning he doesn't miss anything. He sees it all. He's got insight. He's got judgment. He sees everything. Bronze feet, strength and power and glory That's what bronze signified. And we go back to Daniel chapter 7, and there's a whole lot of allusions to what's happening here. Got this powerful voice first. It's a trumpet blast, and now you got like this amazing waterfall sound. Anybody ever been to Niagara Falls? Have you noticed? When you're standing right there down by the falls, you can go down around. You can't, you have to shout in order to hear each other. That's loud. That's what he's talking about. And he's saying, you better listen up, y'all, because he's speaking loudly. There are seven stars, look at verse 16, in Jesus' right hand. Christ is possessing and protecting 
the seven churches that he's writing to here. Okay? And from his mouth is a what? A double-edged sword. Isn't that interesting? The Romans invented double-edged swords. And the reason you couldn't have double-edged is because you had to have superior metal. Uh, pretty inferior metal, and if you tried to sharpen it on both sides, the metal would break down and you'd lose your sword. Okay? But they had superior metal, so now they could do double-edged swords. And, and it's talking about that Jesus is coming in judgment, but he's also proclaiming the good news. So you got the one side, we're presenting Jesus Christ, the resurrected one. we got great news, but if you reject that, there's going to be judgment. Turn your back on Jesus, and it's going to be bad. So that's the two sides of it. Okay? Out of his mouth, he spoke the world into existence, Genesis 1, and he's going to judge the world and bring Satan and his demons to an end. Where do you see that? 2 Thessalonians 2.8. You can look it up later, okay? And what's the face of Jesus like? Look down at the last part of verse 16. And his face was what? Radiant and brilliant and bright. And I meant to bring my sunglasses because that's really what John needed, right? Okay? Whoa, I need sunglasses. I, I can't see. And what's the first thing that John does? Does he run up to Jesus and say, high five, is that what he does? Verse 17, look at it. What's the first thing he does when he sees Jesus? He falls down on his face. <laughs> so in the presence of his friend, in the presence of the one he spent three years, day and night, eating meals, suddenly now he realizes this is the resurrected Messiah. This is the Lion, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And I just want you to know, falling down in the presence of Jesus is a regular pattern in the book of Revelation. We're going to see that over and over again. And might I suggest something? That might be a good pattern for us to get into. When you go and get in the presence of Jesus, you and your quiet time in the closet, you might as well get used to it because we're going to spend a lot of time, just like John, on our face before Jesus Christ. And uh, Philippians 2, verses 10 and 11, someday soon, every knee will bow. Every, every man, woman, child throughout all of history are going to get on their knees and bow down before Jesus Christ. Sadly, for some of them, it will be too late. Okay? Now, verse 17. Let's look. The very first thing that Jesus does, and I really like this, uh, Jesus goes to his friend, hasn't seen him face to face for 50, 60 years, and what does he do? He places his nail-pierced hand right hand on John. He touches his friend, and I like that. Uh, He's going to go and he's going to say, hey, um, I know I'm the resurrected one, I'm the king of kings, but I'm not above touching you and being intimate and and just letting you know I'm here and I'm close and and I'm here for you. Uh, the, The same hand, verse 17, that's been holding the seven stars is now touching John. And the first words out of Jesus' mouth, what do you think they are? What's it say? Do not be afraid. Say that with me. Do not be afraid. Stop being afraid, John. Don't be afraid, seven churches. Don't be afraid, church at Walloon Lake. Um, Well, why shouldn't I be afraid? There's a lot in this world to be afraid of. Domitian was slaughtering Christians by the thousands. 
Why, Jesus, shouldn't I be afraid? You know, the economy's still pretty shaky, and, you know, ISIS could show up. Why shouldn't we be fearful? Well, here's Jesus' answer. Go back to verse 17. Uh, Jesus said, I am the first and the last. (laughs) Now, John was pretty familiar with I am. I am the first and the last. Why would John be familiar with I am? Because if you go back to the Gospel of John, which he was also inspired to write down, you get John 6, 35. John records Jesus saying, I am the bread of life. John 8, 12, Jesus uh, said, I am the light of the world. John ten eleven. John records Jesus, I am the good shepherd. John eleven twenty five. I am the resurrection and the life. And John fourteen six. this is my favorite one. I am the way and the truth and the life, and you can't get to the Father except through who? Through Jesus. Now, go back to verse 17. Now Jesus says, John, don't be afraid because I am the first and the last. What does that mean? Uh, He's saying, you know, I, I just want you to know, I, Jesus, am the creator of all. And oh, by the way, I'm the sovereign ruler over all of history. I'm the first and I'm the last. In other words, Jesus precedes everything and he will bring all of history to its conclusion. Are you understanding what that means? He was the one who preceded everything, never had a beginning. He originated everything. And oh, by the way, he's going to bring it all to a close in just the manner that he wants it to close. I'm the originator. I'm the goal of all of history, Jesus said. And Jesus is the first word in creation. Who spoke the cosmos into existence? And the answer is Colossians 1.16, Jesus Christ. And Jesus is the last word in the new creation. So he's going to speak judgment, and then Jesus is going to speak the new heaven and the new earth into existence. So he's saying, John... Early church, uh, church at Walloon, I've got a plan and I've got a purpose. And oh, by the way, I've got the power and I started everything and I've been sovereign all through history and I'm going to bring it all to conclusion. I am the first and the last. Or you can go back to verse 8. Look at chapter 1 and verse 8. I am the alpha and the omega. I'm, I'm the beginning. And the, Don't be afraid, church. That's what he's saying. I know what I'm doing. I'm I'm on the throne, and I got it all under my control, is really what he's saying. Second thing Jesus says, look at verse 18, don't be afraid, because I'm the first and the last, and then he says what? I'm the living one. I was dead, and behold, I'm alive forever and ever. So what what Jesus is saying now is... um, I was dead, but I'm not dead anymore because I defeated death. And now I am eternal, and now because I'm eternal, I can make eternal life available and possible to you. I died on that cross. They buried me in a tomb on Friday, but early on Sunday morning, what did Jesus do? He arose from the dead, and he's alive for all of eternity is what he's shouting here. And guess what the number one fear Number one fear, if you go worldwide, they've studied different cultures. Anybody guess what's the number one fear of people throughout the world in all cultures? Anybody? 
the fear of dying (laughs) or the fear of having someone you love die. This is the issue that's caused more fear for humans than any other other fear by far. Now look what Jesus is saying. He says, "Um, I've taken care of that fear. I've defeated death. I conquered death. When I rose from the dead, uh, I was dead literally, bodily, physically, but I literally arose from the dead. And now I've defeated that thing that you're so afraid of. So let's just track here just for a minute, okay? Catch what Jesus is saying. We don't need to fear life because Jesus is the living one. I don't need to fear death because Jesus died and then arose from the dead. It means he conquered death. And then I don't need to fear eternity because Jesus, look at verse 18, holds the keys of death and Hades. What's that mean? The Old Testament place of unbelievers, Sheol. You ever read that word? So in the Old Testament, if you said, no, thank you, I don't want you in my life, uh, Jehovah God, you went to Sheol. Uh, Literally, Sheol means death. New Testament place of the unbelieving dead before final judgment is hell or Hades. Follow me. It's literally the holding cell that the unbelievers are waiting until final judgment, and we're going to get there in a few months, okay? Okay, so here's what Jesus is saying here. I'm the warden of the prison, and I'm the warden of this prison, and we're holding all the unbelievers, and I've got the keys, and I, as the warden now, am going to take the place that you deserve. I'm going to take your place in the electric chair. I'm going to take your place in the gas chamber, that's what we'd say today. But, but what, what it was here, I'll take your place where? On the cross. That, that, was, that was the way they killed people in Roman times. And, and here's what he says. And if you'll let me, I'll come and unlock your cell, and I'll release you from death row. You're, you're about to be sentenced, and it's going to be bad. It's like an eternal sentence. But I hold the keys. I've got the keys for unbelievers. Those that are going to death and eternal consequences, I've got the keys. And if you'll believe in me by faith, I'll set you free. Do you understand what the keys to the kingdom are? He can open up eternal life for us. And it's available. So, bottom line, what are we supposed to do when we're feeling afraid? When you and I... We're feeling afraid, and fears knock down the door to my life, and anxiety and worry are welling up. Um, what am I supposed to do? Three things for you to write down right now, okay? That you got a blank spot in your bulletin, and we did that intentionally, so you got lots of room to write. Here we go. Three things. Well, why should I write down? Um, because if you're not fearful today, it could knock tomorrow. And if you don't struggle tomorrow, probably someone close by will be. So uh, if if you don't do it for you, do it for someone you love. Here we go. Uh, First thing to remember, when fear knocks at your door, Jesus is the first and the last. Jesus is the... In other words, he's on the throne, and he's in control, and he's the creator, and he's the sustainer, and he's sovereign over all of history... And oh, by the way, he's the one that will bring it all to a perfect conclusion. And we'll be studying that for the next several months. 
well, Pastor Jeff, I don't get it right now. I don't understand why is, why is this going on in my life. Are you ready? I've got a response. We don't understand because we're not God. Write that. I'm not God. That would be good for some of us to write down. I'm not God. I'm not going to get it all. I'm not, it isn't all going to compute because our brains aren't big enough. Okay? That's where faith comes in, right? I have to trust. I have to believe. Lord, I have to put my faith and my trust in you, and I know you're on the throne, and I don't get it right now, but I'm going to trust you. And there's a situation right now, and it doesn't feel good, and I don't like it, and I don't understand it. But, Lord, I know you're the one on the throne. You're awesome. You're sovereign, right, Myron? You, you know exactly what, and I believe that. That's faith. Okay? So the next time, that, that's where you got to start. Who's on the throne? Who's in charge? Jesus Christ. And he knows what he's doing. So I either accept that or go back to your worrying and your fretting and your stewing and your anxiety and let fear overwhelm you. And I don't know about you, but i got to say it right out loud. Lord, I just acknowledge you are on the throne, and I don't like this situation, and I don't understand it, but I trust you. You're, you're the awesome one, so I, I trust you right now. And I say that out loud, because I think Satan needs to hear that, that I'm believing that, and I need to hear it. I need to preach to myself. Do you know I preach to myself all week long? Okay? So it's not just on Sundays. All week long, I'm preaching to Jeff. And all week long, you need to be preaching to yourself. Uh, okay. Fear's knocking on your door. Second thing you need to realize is Jesus is the living one. He's alive, which means he's with me. And I don't have to be afraid anymore because whatever you're facing, are you ready? You're not alone. If you know Jesus personally, you're not alone. Uh, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death... I will fear no evil. Now, let's just pause for a second. If you and I are walking through a valley and it's filled with death and shadows and it's really scary, why shouldn't I be afraid? What's the next line? For thou art with me. That's the only reason you shouldn't be afraid because you're not alone. Who's there with you? The good shepherd. And oh, by the way, the good shepherd has a name, doesn't he? John 10, verse 11. What's his name? Jesus said... I am that good shepherd, and I'm the one that's with you, and no matter what valley you're walking through today, who's with us? Jesus, okay? Let me give you a few verses. You can write them down, look them up. Genesis 26, 4. Fear not, I am with thee. Numbers 14, 9. Fear not, I am with thee. Deuteronomy 31, 8. Fear not, I am with thee. Do you see a pattern here? Isaiah 41, 10. Any guesses? Fear not, I am with thee. And here's my favorite one, Deuteronomy 31.6. This is so good, this is worth memorizing, okay? It says this, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. What's the them? Whatever it is you're afraid of. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. Now, then I have a choice. Do I believe that or not? Am I going to claim that or not? Am I going to, by faith, hold on to that truth, that fact, or am I going to let fear take over? It's a choice. It's a choice. Okay, first, I'm not afraid because Jesus is the first and the last. He knows what he's doing. I choose to trust you, Lord. 
You're on the throne. I don't get it, but I trust you. I'm not afraid because you're the living one and you're right here with me. I'm not alone. You'll never leave me. You'll never forsake me. Third, finally, I don't need to fear because Jesus is alive. And he's alive forever. And Jesus holds the keys. I like this. Uh, In Jewish thought, whoever held the keys, that was the authority. If you got the keys, then you were the authority because you controlled whether or not the lock was opened or whether the lock stayed locked, okay? So Jesus says, hey, y'all, I've got the keys over death and hell. The holding cells before the lake of fire, I'm in charge of that, okay? So Jesus took our place on death row. Jesus took the hit for all of our sins, But he didn't stay dead. He arose victoriously from the dead, defeated sin and Satan and death. And now Jesus stands and says, "Um, I've got the keys. (laughs) And I can unlock the door and set you free if you want to be free. If you'll do it my way and believe in what I did for you, then you can have eternal life. And I don't need to fear even the worst now. What's the worst thing that could happen? Anybody? Anybody? Most of us would say, well, I'd die or they'd kill me. Well, if the worst happens, give me your eyes, then you get to go be with Jesus. Think about it. Here on planet Earth, if the worst happens and you die, then you get to go be face-to-face with the resurrected Jesus for all of eternity. I don't need to live in fear any longer because 1 John 4.18 is true. You ready? The perfect love of Jesus casts out fear. Do you understand that? When, when, when I understand what Jesus is all about, what he's done, what he's doing, and then what he has available for me, um, when I get that, that perfect love, when it sinks in and I hold on, it casts out the fear that's around us. I got to know it. I got to believe it. I got to speak it. I got to put it into practice. Perfect love. The perfect love of Jesus casts out fear. Bow your heads. Shut your eyes. Would you be willing to just uh, invite the Lord to show you where you've been living a fearful, anxiety-filled, worried, stressed-out life and, and ask him to point out where that might be true for you? What you've been stressing over? What you've been stewing and fretting about recently? Lord, would you show me? If worry and fear and anxiety has had a stranglehold on you, if it's been keeping you in bondage, the very first thing you've got to do is admit that worry and fear and anxiety and, and all that goes along with those, those matters is really messing up my life. 
And Lord, I just acknowledge that that fear has taken hold of me. And maybe what you're, you're fearful about, maybe it's real and reasonable, and yet when you bring Jesus in the situation, suddenly now everything changes. So uh, I just wonder how many of you would say, Lord, you've uh, spoken and it's been pretty obvious that fear is huge in my life and it's been dominating and, and chaining me up and I just acknowledge you've spoken and that's where I'm at right now. Anybody just lift up your hand and say, Lord, you've spoken. That's me. You're talking to me. There's only two people who struggle with fear in here. It's amazing. Yeah. What a courageous group we have. No? No. Yeah. Anybody else? Fear, Lord, ha- has been doing a number in my life. Anxiety, stress, worry. Anybody else? Anybody in the balcony? Yeah. If, if that's you... Can I just uh, walk you through what we just talked about? Would you just tell the Lord right now, Jesus, I realize you're the creator of all. Just tell him. Lord, you are the one on the throne. You're the king of the cosmos. You are the one who spoke all of the universe into existence with your words. You're the one who's been the sustainer of history. You're the sovereign ruler over everything. And you're going to bring it all to a perfect conclusion. And right now, that kind of an awesome Savior and Lord, I choose to trust you. And I trust you with this situation that's been overwhelming me. Let, it, let him know. You realize who he is and what he's all about. And Lord, I trust you. And second, you need to claim the presence of the living one right now. Lord, I recognize that whatever I'm facing, I'm not alone. Because if I'm one of your kids, you're with me. You'll never leave me. You'll never forsake me. No matter what the valley, no matter what I'm facing, you're right here, and you're never going to let go. And I believe that, and I hold on to that. And the next time I'm feeling alone, I'm going to acknowledge your presence. I'm going to acknowledge the fact that you're with me and I don't have to be afraid because the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords just as you are with John you're with me right now finally uh, it may be that you're here and uh, you're fearful but the reason you're fearful is because you're still locked in the cell of death please know if you don't know Jesus personally if you've never by faith received Jesus As Savior and Lord, you have every reason to fear. You have good reason to be filled with anxiety and worry. Because if you don't know Jesus as Savior and Lord, um, then you're locked and uh, you're in that holding cell. And if your life ends or if the Lord returns and judgment begins, it's going to be bad. And Jesus says, guess what? If that's you today, I hold the keys to death and hell. And I can unlock you, and I can unchain you, and you can be set free. By faith, you can believe that I, I am the one who took your place on the cross. I'm the one who shed my blood for your sin problem. I'm the one who took your place in the tomb. I'm the one early on Sunday morning arose from the dead and I did that for you. 
If by faith you'll believe those facts and receive the giver of those facts, the one who holds the keys, Jesus Christ, if you'll receive him into your life by faith, guess what? He'll set you free. Fear can be overcome by knowing Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray for anybody here who doesn't know you. Knock loudly, and may they hear you and today respond. And may they say yes to your son, Jesus. Lord, I want to pray for my friends who are struggling, who this has become a pattern of their life, maybe for many, many years. I pray for victory. I pray, Lord, that fear would begin to get crushed and that Jesus Christ and his presence and his power and his authority would, uh, would defeat the fears and the anxieties of our life. We pray all these things in Jesus' strong name. Amen.